Hello and welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based breathwork facilitator and energy worker, healing artist, being. And this podcast is really intended to support you on your own healing journey. My intention is always that listening to it nourishes you, inspires you, makes you feel seen, that you see yourself in someone's story, um, that it encourages you, that it reminds you life is worth living, um, that it shows possibility and opens up threads of dreams and possibility for your life and for yourself and um, this episode this week is with someone I love so much and that you may have heard on the podcast before if you're a regular listener. Um, I'm not sure how long ago I had Yarrow on but maybe a year ago but Yarrow is incredible and has become a friend and they live a soft, slow life in Scotland and create rituals and ceremonies for the big and small milestones in life. They also write and make textile art and host a podcast that I've had the honor of being on called Daydreaming Wolves. They swim in the sea all year and do a lot of queer dreaming. And they've just published their book Rituals, which is simple and radical practices for enchantment in times of crisis, which is an incredible book. I have my copy right next to me, and I I highly, highly recommend getting one. You can find out more about their work and get a copy of the book at yarrowmagdalena.com. This episode was so tender to me. I cried during it near the end. My heart was just so touched by our conversation and wow tears are coming up in my eyes again right now just thinking about it oh my god um i was just really touched by our conversation about grief and about abandonment wounds especially um something that has felt punched over and over again for me this year personally and Yarrow just brings so much vulnerability and softness and wisdom to this conversation and I'm just so excited for you to listen to it. So Yarrow starts out leading us in a beautiful grounding meditation and then we get into a bunch of different things. We talk about how this pandemic has been for them, how they've been feeling this year, being a small business owner during the pandemic, writing a book during the pandemic as a devotional practice, ritual as support and what ritual means to them, making ritual accessible for yourself, connecting to spirit through ritual, what enchantment means to them, the magic and healing of feeling small. And we talk about grief tending and Yarrow's death midwife work heartbreak and grieving people who are no longer in our lives, working with old feelings of abandonment, making sure we don't abandon ourselves, wounds around being liked and being enough, and their self-marriage ceremony and creating romance and intimacy with yourself. So there's a lot that is shared and I don't know, this feels like I want to invite you for this conversation to like make a tea or 
a hot lemon water or coffee or whatever kind of beverage you're into and like snuggle up in bed and listen to it or something this feels like one of those episodes that you that you might just want to do that with and really really sink into while you're getting cozy i have one thing that i want to share with you i haven't done a one-on-one program in a long time in at least a year i think more like two years and it felt right (laughs) i got the inspiration for this program and it feels like everything i'm really excited to be working with people on and have been supporting people through in different ways but like a really intentional container for that so i just wanted to let you know that this program is open if you'd like to apply and it's healing support for birthing your creative project and liberating your creativity and I think it's so needed um, as someone who has put out so many vulnerable creative projects in the world and continues to, like this podcast being one of them. Um, It can bring up so much. It can bring up imposter syndrome, perfectionism, fear of how we'll be accepted, our fears around not enoughness, fears around being seen. There's so much that comes with sharing a creative project that's a part of yourself a piece of your heart with the world and it can feel really scary and i really believe that we are all brave enough to do it that it matters that we share our creativity our unique work with the world and i feel so inspired by helping people through that process that healing process specifically Um, it's not a container for like logistical or business support which i get from other people and i'm so grateful for but this this is not that this is specifically around healing so we're gonna be working together one-on-one for six weeks and this is really for you if you feel like a fraud like you shouldn't be the one to create this work whatever it is for you and when i say creative projects or work like this could be really anything it could be um, a book a business a podcast poetry a deck your art anything um, whatever creative project it is for you Um, It's for you if you're really terrified of how your work will be received, if you feel like you contract around the vulnerability of sharing yourself, if you keep finding excuses not to make your work and are really struggling to show up for the process, if you have a really strong desire to create your work, to birth your project, but feel like there's so much fear and so much self-judgment here. And through the experience, we're going to be working together for six weeks over Zoom. And my intention is to help you understand core wounding around creativity and being seen, healing wounds at an embodied level, creating more space in your body for creativity and acceptance and joy, working through moving through blocks, stopping you from engaging your creativity with the work that matters to you. We'll work with establishing more of a sense of safety in the body to return to when old wounds are getting triggered and you want to make yourself really, really small. 
You're working with deepening acceptance and love for yourself to create more freedom to embody and express yourself and activating your magic from a grounded place of connection with your heart and with who you really are. So if that sounds interesting to you, if that sounds like something you might be um, might be looking for support in, then the link is in the description. You can take a look at it. There's an application you can fill out and I just want to clarify like the application isn't like me gatekeeping who is worthy and whose projects are worthy or anything like that. It's just the questions I put on the application are pretty simple and really intentional. So just that I can understand a bit more about you and your work and your intentions and what you're needing support around so I can be sure that I can help you and um, that we can really do some deep work together. So that's the process. And with that being said, I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Yarrow. And it opens right up with a little grounding practice from Yarrow. So I feel like this year grounding has become kind of simpler and sweeter and also more important. So if you had asked me last year, I would have maybe been a little bit more elaborate, but now I'm like, in this moment, I'm just planting my feet on the ground and I'm inviting everyone who feels like that feels nice to join me. And I'm just really taking a moment to notice um, the different parts of my feet on the ground, the weight, the way my carpet feels against my feet. And then I'm closing my eyes and you could also rest them on a spot in front of you. And then taking a really deep breath in. <sighs> mm. I want to do another one and really allow myself to be a bit noisy as well because that's grounding too. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and, and then I'm just noticing the light around me. I've, I've lit a candle in front of me for this interview and um, there's, there's other lights around me because I wanted you to be able to see me. So I'm just feeling into my surroundings and reminding myself it's August 2020. I'm Yarrow, you're Erin. <laughs> and we're sending love to everyone and I'm so grateful for this conversation and I'm inviting all of us into presence with whatever feels true today and letting that be fluid and letting that be part of a river of all of us together thank you thank you so much that felt really <laughs> lovely I love the sound <laughs> and what you said that felt really resonant for me too I think my practices have gotten more simple and more simple over the past few years um but but deeper for me too and I think that's such a good reminder that they can be so simple we don't always have to be you know I don't know, dropping a grounding cord into the earth and pulling in all those kinds, which is beautiful too, but it doesn't always have to be that. And things can be simple and they can be just right for us. So thank you mm. for that permission giving too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so happy to have you here. And since I've had you on before, I think yeah. I'd love to start by asking you to share about how this pandemic has been for you, is for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything thank you've been you. feeling. Yeah. Thank you. 
it feels nice to be asked that because I feel like it's so big and really so monumental. And every time we get to have a moment of just checking in and seeing what it feels like, like that's really precious because it's also so fast paced. Like there's so much doom scrolling and taking more and more information in rather than just sitting with all the information, all the things that we have already confronted. And mm. So for me, um, I traveled back to Germany at the end of February to help my mom move houses. And I think had I known what was to come, I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have done that. But she is chronically ill and I found it, it felt important to me to show up for her and help her. And when I came back, I flew home and I got a fever shortly after. And that was at a time where testing had already stopped in the UK. So. Um, there was a kind of a gap where in, I think in February, there were just very, very few cases. It wasn't really even a big thing in the media yet. And people, when they had symptoms, were still being tested. And then when I came home, that stopped. So I was just asked to self-isolate. So I did that kind of before the real lockdown and air quotes came into effect. And that was a really interesting time because I was, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was really isolating. I'm, I'm living alone and I was struggling physically. I still don't know if I had it or not, but I really was like fevery and um, had just really strange symptoms that I had never seen in myself having a flu or something. And, and then full lockdown came into effect. And I think March and April for me were really hazy month of feeling pretty checked out and just being in such a trauma response and feeling really frozen and like for me one of the hardest things was the horror of of kind of seeing what was happening and how people were dying and also not knowing how long it was going to last what it was going to be like I'm someone who finds change very hard and so I was just freaked out on so many levels. And at the same time, I was really, you know, there was also so much beauty. There was also so much solidarity and the slowing down and all the things popping up in which we were supporting each other. And I was, I was showing up for some of them on Zoom, but if I'm honest, it was also overwhelming, I think. Um, there was so much free stuff suddenly and, you know, and yeah, so I feel like that was, that was coming and going in waves. And when May came round, there was this beautiful full moon at the beginning of May in Scorpio. And that felt like a big shift for me. I was suddenly like, okay, I am actually very experienced in crisis in some ways. And I have experience with trauma. I have gone through stuff. I can maybe go through this as well. And um, I, I kind of began moving a bit. Like I think in March and April, I was really, really stuck and stagnant in my body. I was eating to a point that was really kind of limiting my sleep and range of movement almost. And that was what I needed. And I really want to have self-compassion for that. But it was also a big numbing out. And yeah, in the beginning of May, I started moving again. I started a writing practice that was really, really nurturing. And um, I began hiking, going on longer hikes that was allowed at the time in Scotland. Um, our lockdown was a bit more, or it still is a little bit more structured than the rest of the UK. Um, but yeah, going on hikes was really important to me and reconnecting in slower ways, like having, writing letters and sending voice messages and going to a discerning amount of Zoom things, <laughs> basically. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> yes. And then also kind of like, yeah, really 
really leaning into faith and developing trust in very simple practices and building them back up. I feel like March and April for me were about really just dropping everything and just being like flat on the floor. Um, and May and June were like, I remember I'm human. I had things that were always really comforting to me. How I, can I reconnect? How can I make them accessible for myself with very little energy and time? I mean, time is actually abundant, but it's also strange. Like I think it's only been more recent that I have a sense of time again. I think there were long stretches of time where I could have not told you you know, had a week pass or a month or an hour, it was all so blurry. Even um, when you said it's August 2020 in yeah. the grounding fact, I was like, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was exactly. the second I had to think yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. And and where I find myself now is like I feel a little bit less anxious about winter. I think when it when things kind of first became clear, I was like, oh fuck a second wave will be even worse. How are we going to make it? There's going to be less daylight. Um, and I feel much more prepared now, but I have to be honest and also say I'm thinking a lot about preparing and like, what is that going to look like? I'm thinking a lot about the election, even if it's not where I live, but I, sh I fucking am worried for you guys, you know? And um, yeah, so I feel like, I feel I'm, I'm like a, a squirrel who's like, gathering as many resources and little nuts around myself to be like ready <laughs> and and I think we do know a lot more you know it could be much less bad than I imagine it to be but cases are going up again in Germ in, in Europe at the moment um, especially of course in countries that have eased lockdown and so yeah we'll just have to see and um try to be as sensible as we can I sometimes feel a lot of judgment in myself where um, I feel like things like wearing masks for example feel like a really small sacrifice in the whole and I feel it's really important that we show up with as much solidarity as we can and I don't actually want to be in a space of judgment especially if it has no impact anyway you know you know like it's I think whether like how I feel about someone in the street literally makes no difference to anyone <laughs> and and so I feel like I just want to continuously kind of return to what I can do and how I can be in solidarity and integrity without worrying so much about anything else because there's no point basically mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean First of all, I love the image of you as a tiny, cute little squirrel, like gathering <laughs> all of your, <laughs> gathering all of your acorns and stuff. <laughs> Very cute. Um, and thank you for just sharing that and sharing what the reality of living in the pandemic has been like for you. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of that is really resonant for me and my experience too. And yeah, being with all of the feelings has been hard. I was really overwhelmed by all of the stuff that was happening, like the outpouring of beautiful things that was happening online at the beginning. But um, yeah, I was not able to offer anything at that time. I was like, I can barely do the bare minimum of what I have to do to keep my work going. I, I have no, I have no energy. I have nothing else to give. Um, so yeah, I felt that as well. And I guess that's making me think about how it's feeling for you to 
to do work during this time. I mean, you wrote a beautiful book, which I'm sure we're going to talk so much about during this pandemic, which is just such a gift and it's wild. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, what about the experience of writing this book and being a human who has a small business during Mm. this time? (sighs) So I feel as a business or small business owner in general, March and April were pretty scary. I lost a bit of work there because people um, made decisions not to spend anything that wasn't essential at the time. And I think that was kind of the first shock wave. And I had project books with, I had project books, uh, projects booked (laughs) with people who have local businesses and they had to close. So it made total sense, but it was also frightening for me because I already, you know, I have obviously had budgeted for that to come in and I feel like some things have changed in my business I'm a lot slower in some ways I actually have better boundaries than before because I feel like I really need to preserve my energy and think about what I want to do and show up for but on the whole I feel extremely grateful for for the fact that many people have actually return to working with me or still work with me um, with business mentoring and web design. I have some really beautiful projects lined up for autumn and it's just different. I think different people want different things, but many people are starting small businesses and thinking differently about how they want to work and be in the world and they are seeking spaces to figure that out. And I I love facilitating those spaces. So that's really good. and I, with the book, I, I want to say that that was kind of really a devotional practice in a way. I really want to reject these ideas of like, let's all, you know, I don't know, train in, training something new in lockdown or we all <laughs> have to write books or whatever. I think those have been big ideas that were thrown around in the mainstream media and they make me really grumpy. But I think, like I said, in the beginning of May, I came to a point where I really needed some structure and and something to drop into. And then my friend Sophie Dale was was running a program called The Writer's Studio. And so she's supporting small business owners and writing books around their business or about something in their business. And that was a six week container where we had a Voxer group and checked in every single day. And then we had group coaching calls as well. And I just really like utilized the shit out of that program, to be honest. (laughs) I was on Voxer every day and I made a promise to myself at the beginning of those six weeks that I would write a thousand words every morning before doing anything else. And Mm. my puppy was still quite a bit younger then. So I mean, he's growing fast at the moment and things are shifting quickly. But at the time he was waking me up at 6am every day at the latest. And I'm really not a morning person. So I would feed them, we would go out and then I'd come back, have a shower and a tea and start writing. And I was still in this kind of dreamy space. I hadn't really fully arrived in my day yet, basically. And I think that maybe made it a little bit easier because I wasn't yet overthinking. I hadn't yet engaged with the news or hadn't been on social media. I was just sitting in bed, seeing the sun come up and I wrote a thousand words, whether I had something to say or not. And I think yeah that really gave me something to focus on that was really important and 
it was also I gave myself a relatively easy project. I mean, in a way, writing a book is never easy. It's very complicated in lots of other ways. But I wrote about something that I had been sharing and teaching for years and felt really intimate with. And also I allowed myself to make a really small book. It's 130 or 150 pages. So, you know, it's not massive and it's printed in big, fairly big letters as well. Um, so it feels like a sweet little introduction to ritual practice. And um, everything that I'm sharing in there is, is stuff that I have done this year myself. And that feels important to me. Um, and then I published it and now people are reading it and that's obviously really rewarding and I think what I needed from this project was for it to be really pretty immediate so I was thinking about whether I should maybe work with someone who could do more developmental editing who could really advise me about going deeper and making it bigger and better and I think that would have been a, a good choice but actually I wanted it to be yeah more immediately and I wanted it to come out this summer so I didn't even try to get a publisher I was just immediately going for self-publishing and I don't regret that because it feels like a book that really needed to be here this year this summer mm -hmm. and I, I just you know yeah just that that felt right for me mm -hmm. yeah I agree I think it's a book that definitely needed to be here right now <laughs> this summer not a minute later <laughs> 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 I mean, it's a wonderful book and what you're sharing is making me think of this quote that I pulled out of it and you said, in a chaotic world, I'm becoming reliable to myself and I create supportive structures that maybe aren't as easily accessible elsewhere. Mm. And I think that's just so beautiful and speaks to the way that ritual can be such a grounding practice and a way yeah, that we can create something to return to in our lives, something to tuck away into like a safe haven for ourselves and how ritual too like it's a structure that's flexible and open right it's not one mm -hmm. thing it can be so many things um so yeah I guess I'd just love to hear anything you want to offer about that idea and how ritual is supporting you what ritual means to you in your life yes thank you I mean it really means everything to me um and I feel like this quote that you just shared really also ties in with the simplicity of what I'm talking about in the book that in my experience, I can't give myself that continuous uh, stability if I don't make it accessible for myself. It has to be really doable every day. And I think over the years, I've really come to value things that I can easily do every day um, so much more than big, complex group rituals that have a lot of structure, which is also really beautiful, but I just wanted to speak to this other way of doing ritual, I guess. And I think I am someone who really benefits from life being a little bit more predictable than it is. Um, I feel like I've done lots of like out there wild things in my twenties. I've dated different people. I lived in different countries. I've had all kinds of different jobs and I'm now in my mid thirties and I feel like I know a little bit more about myself and what is good for me. I compromise myself a little bit less. And I just know that I, th I really strive on comfort. You know, I always think about this expression like, oh, you should leave your comfort zone. And I'm like, but why? <laughs> it's so cozy. <laughs> you know? It's so cozy. And, and another expression I find really funny is like, oh, this person has gone with the fairies. And I'm like, well, 
you know, like who wouldn't want to be gone with the fairies? I don't, I would much rather be gone with the fairies than have a boring office job. Yes. And so, <laughs> so yeah, this is like where all these things come together for me. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, this year touch wasn't really available to me or isn't available now. And sometimes having therapies isn't available. Many of us don't even have good healthcare, which is just heartbreaking and outrageous. And I think we can hold truth of these structural injustices, um, but also look into what we can offer ourselves without that meaning that we have to, you know, figure everything out. I think we can be interdependent and own that we deserve those forms of support, but also show up for ourselves in whatever way is possible and available. And I think in times of such great change and waves of crisis and disconnection having that baseline of I know whatever happens I will show up to my journal every morning and just write half a page or there's always this little candle that I can light and sit down and have a good cry or um, I know that I can draw an oracle card and remember that I have wisdom inside myself even if I can't afford another course or meet with people in person to brainstorm like there's always something here um at home in the smallness of these moments that's actually really beautiful and i remember last spring i i had a difficult time in life in a different way um and i don't know if you relate to this but sometimes i have these thoughts that really don't feel like they're my own and i wouldn't necessarily call them channeled. It could be, you know, it could be seen that way though, but they echo in my mind and I'm really like, wow, I don't know which place inside of myself they came from, but they feel so true. And what I thought back then was like, I just want to be close to spirit all the time. I just want to be close to spirit all the time. And I want to have my own changing, expanding, expansive liberated way of understanding what that means um, and not needing that to come from organized religion, not needing that to come from anyone else, not even needing that to come from being part of a group or being able to get cool healing sessions or looking good on Instagram, really just having that come from inside of myself, right? And I think consistent ritual is for me how I get there. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah I I love that so much it's just making me think about how I've been thinking about this a lot this year and perhaps you have too with everything just everything but um how so much of like new age spirituality like those kinds of things it's like not that different from religion and a lot of the things and we could see this now even with like QAnon how dangerous it is when we just like accept things as fact but don't like think critically or like dig in or really look into things but we just like accept that it's true and I don't know like something about what you're sharing about finding ritual in yourself and the way that you like connect with nature and those kinds of ways of supporting yourself that are intuitive and like wanting to be close to spirit and knowing that you can that feels like so it feels so needed that we can all connect with that in this world and how dangerous it is to just subscribe to 
yeah, like ideologies that are not coming from us and maybe are not supportive at all. And I just think about what you're sharing, how it feels so accessible. Like ritual is for all of us. Connecting to spirit is for all of us. Like, I don't know if you resonate with an animist like view of the world, but like, yeah, I was like, I think so. But <laughs> like the magic that we can find that's in everything, like no one needs to give us that. Like we can just like go be with a tree and feel that. And there's no question here, really. I just like really appreciate what you're speaking to about ritual. <laughs> and the other word that's coming up is enchantment. Um, what you were saying about <laughs> going off to be with the fairies. And that's a word that you use in your book. I think it's in the like subtitle of the book, yes. right? Enchantment. Yeah. Um, and I just love the idea of, yeah, the world being a magical place of seeing the enchantment that's already in the world and how like these practices can help us wake up to that because it like it already is there. Sometimes we just aren't noticing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like reframing can be something really delicate because sometimes I feel when there's too much pressure or we're trying to reframe something on someone else's timeline, it becomes it, or it can become toxic positivity or it can be gaslighting ourselves in a way. So I'm, I feel like enchantment to me is not having a really painful experience and being like, oh, but that's still magical because I can see those silver lining here. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. I feel like actual enchantment to me is more about groundedness and being present and being able to see beauty and being creative in a way that means we are creative creatively connected to everything that is creative and beautiful in nature and nature and, and people and around us and really seeing this deep interconnectedness and everything and also I think small like feeling small this year has been feeling really enchanting to me so like mm. going into the woods and there was a post shared by um oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name and I'm really sorry because her work is so beautiful, but she's running the podcast for the wild. Um, yeah, right? I yes. love that podcast, but I don't know. I can link to it though in yes, the description great. so Thank people you. can find her. Um, yeah. And so I think the podcast team made this graphic that was really beautiful sometime in April and it was about what is a lifetime to a tree. So they were talking about these redwood trees and that really touched me so deeply because yes like what is what is this year to a mountain or what is this year to the moon for example right it's really just this kind of tiny blink of an eye and I think for us as people it can be really healing to remember how small we are and how we are important and powerful and and needed but also beautifully insignificant you know and we have many more lifetimes to figure stuff out and do all the things we want to do and feel so busy about um yeah <laughs> yeah oh my god I so you know I live in Philly but the past couple of weeks I was visiting family in and they live in a rural area they live in the country um and I was with them for two and a half weeks and just every night I would go out with my little sibling in the backyard and look up at the stars and that's it. It's like, it's that reminder, that anchoring into like, life is so important. And also it's like this, it's like, it's so tiny. What is life? What is a human life to a star? Yeah. And that feels like a really important 
perspective practice and also just beauty practice. Like when I say that, it doesn't feel like, oh, like that feels sad or depressing. It feels mm-hmm. like that feels just right. It feels true. Mm-hmm. And like it's the complexity of being human. Um, and I'm just thinking too, <laughs> like niche comment, but also when we were looking at the stars one night, there was this one star that was just um, blinking red. And we're like, what, what is this star? Like, is this star dying right now? Like, are we seeing this star dying? It wasn't a plane. It definitely was a star. Um, and I'm like, the stars are dying too. We're all dying. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I know you know. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm like, let's talk about your death work um, and grief tending work, which I feel like is so important and could feel really nourishing for people to hear about right now. Mm. Um, Yeah. What does that work mean to you? What was your experience like training as a death midwife? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm a Scorpio sun and I have a lot of, a lot of planets in Scorpio and a Libra moon. And I feel so I've always been close to death in a way, um, which maybe sounds really weird. I don't know, but I think... I don't think so. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I think I've just always been into the intensity of really, like, really, like, clawing my fingers into the depth of these questions and getting quite excited about them. And the death midwife training in that sense just made total sense to me. And it was, for me, really important to confront the fears that I think for so many of us really boil down to either ourselves dying or someone we love dying. I think when we sit with a fear and really become come into presence of what we're worried about, it often comes down to not wanting to die or not wanting to someone else to die. And so for me, it's been really transformative to be in this program and really confront that and to also learn a lot more practical aspects about death, like what happens in the human body when we die a natural death is fascinating and I had no idea or like what are people's options for burials what happens when we embalm someone and like why is that happening where is that tradition coming from what does it mean ecologically which is also horrifying and um what kind of rituals might feel healing around losing a loved one um how can we be present with people who die and I um I feel like at the moment I'm not necessarily applying that super directly. Like I don't support people in the dying process as a midwife at the moment. That's something I can see myself doing in the future, but I have so much to sit with and process from that program. And a book I want to recommend is uh, Final Gifts. And I will um, send you the name of the author. I can't remember it, but this is two uh, nurses speaking about their experiences in palliative care and like really supporting people at the end of their life and sharing what they've seen, what kind of experiences people share. And it's been super interesting and illuminating. And in terms of grief tending, I think that that's, that's been so important to me as well to really confront what it means to sit with losses and make that more of a regular practice and if I had to share just one sh- one thing that I got out of that training was um, this idea that many people think, oh, if I open this up or if I begin thinking about death and grief and I allow myself to cry, I will never stop. And actually my experience is really that the opposite is true. Like when we don't make any space for grief tending in our lives, it feels like a heavy rucksack that we're carrying all the time. And I think feeling small 
or finding small and touchable and doable ways to make just a little bit of space for grief and the fact that we're all going to die one day is actually so liberating. It makes everything so much easier and it makes things right-sized. It puts things into perspective. Um, and that feels really good to me. So one of the rituals that I'm recommending in the grief chapter of the book is to just create this tiny grief ritual in somewhere in your house and it could literally just be this tiny corner with a tea light and maybe like a stone or a tarot card that feels comforting and just whenever we can just sit down light the candle and just literally just for a few moments to sit with grief in a physical space and have this focal point I think that is so radical compared to how we usually live where we're in such deep denial and just want to do the pink light meditation and like, (laughs) 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 which is also, you know, so beautiful and has its own space. But I think the deeper we go into the both and, and the grief and the pleasure at the same time, it really expands our capacity to be human and to be with all these different things. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's making me think about too how well, I'll speak for myself, like the process of grieving people who aren't past but are no longer in our lives and mm. heartbreak and the grief tending process that's needed with that too. And how I have always kind of felt like I've never been able to like, get over things or get over people like other people can or like I'm supposed to. Um, which has made me feel like, yeah, like there's something wrong. And over the past few years, I've just like really come to realize like, no, I think there's something right. I think it's okay. (laughs) I think it's okay to still be grieving or to, to not get over things as quickly as maybe other people are. And I know heartbreak is a big theme for you as well. Um, And yeah, I'm just wondering if there's anything you want to share about working with heartbreak and grieving heartbreak, what that's like for you to yeah to live as a person who has loved people who are no longer in our lives but are still here Mm -hmm. yeah I think one thing I found really interesting this year is this solitude that so many of us are forced into especially if you're living alone is it's really bringing up old feelings of abandonment sometimes of like not being touched and embraced and really seen can be so difficult and I think actually many of us at this time are like, oh, wow, like this still feels raw for me and it's been years and I I wonder if that's okay. And I think it's absolutely okay because we have so little grief literacy that often those things happen and time does its thing and it's helping a little bit, but there's always another layer. And sometimes those deeper layers, I think, are being touched by completely unrelated things and I think what feels helpful for me with that is coming back to what we talked about in the beginning of this conversation of like I am showing up for myself and I'm building this consistency for myself something that I worked with as an affirmation last year was I trust myself to make this work Mm -hmm. and I'm not always that into affirmations I think sometimes when they feel too untrue or too far from my truth that I can feel my body it doesn't feel helpful for me but this one was like oh yeah I'm moving to Scotland I'm moving to Scotland I trust myself to make this work and I think the self-trust also comes 
back to the simplicity of ritual, I feel like in the beginning of me building a practice or getting into spirituality or building my, a business, the, the complexity was needed because I didn't trust my own magic or, you know, the, I, I thought, oh, you know, if I pull seven cards rather than just two, then that will be better. It will be richer. <laughs> There'll be more information. More is better. (laughs) Yes, more is better. Or, you know, if I light more candles or find the exactly right plans or I wait for the right moon and rather than doing something every day, for example, (laughs) I think it really comes back to allowing things to become smaller and making sure that I don't abandon myself. I think with heartbreak in the same way that fear for me often relates to ultimately fear of dying, I think anxiety in relationships or old heartbreak comes down to a fear of being abandoned and not being loved for me and that's so big like oh man <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like a mountain <laughs> it's like a mountain really and like I think we can't change other people we can't decide who loves us and we can hold on to the way that we love and let that be an ocean mm. um but we can't we can't really prevent abandonment sometimes, right? And I think there's also structural stuff that's important to think about, like why do we have so little capacity sometimes to be in complexity and conflict? I'm terrible at conflict. I'm so avoidant sometimes. And then I'm so anxiously attached. (laughs) And all, you know, all these things are true. And I also feel like I am a very loving person and I want to keep an open heart. And I think the best thing I can do for myself is, give myself these practices to make sure I'm not abandoning myself, to make sure that in a time of a pandemic, I'm not letting myself be alone. Like I'm keeping connections to things that feel really nourishing. I think that's all anyone can really do, right? Yeah. (laughs) The abandonment wounds that you're speaking to, like that has felt so real for me Mm -hmm. during this pandemic as well and I've shared on the podcast I think but the roommate that I've lived with for the past three years like with this apartment move it was also a move um that separated from that roommate um and not because anything happened just like the reality of corona and like mm-hmm. we're moving out of the city and that triggered some really deep abandonment ones for me that surprised me I was surprised by how sad I felt and that's something that I'm still grieving and Mm. it it literally brought me back to middle school (laughs) of feeling like oh I'm not enough for my friends today Mm. like oh I'm not yeah I'm not enough to be loved by friends um yeah yeah just like that I'm like 12 years old again and feeling that during this pandemic yeah yeah yeah. I want to share something on that note because oh my god like this is a bit edgy to share but it feels important like I really want to be honest about these kinds of things um so last Friday I I was by myself and I was celebrating um that the book had launched a few days before that and I was going into ritual space kind of with myself by myself in a slightly altered space and I stayed and I won't go too deep into how that (laughs) came to be but you know that's that's what I did and I think I wasn't really careful enough with myself um, in some ways. And so I had a really difficult evening and I went to some really dark and really difficult places of 
you know, I was sitting in bed and I was really in my thoughts and the reality of like, everyone is just pretending to be my friend. And this type was in my book and everyone is going to see them and it's awful. And this book is so sincere and I'm just burying my soul. Oh my God, like I need to take it back. I need to find a way to take it back. <laughs> oh my God, I'm really <laughs> crying. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And yeah. of like, and then I had this like one particular relationship that feels difficult at the moment. I was like, I think this person should just stop talking to me right now <laughs> so that we can get that over with because that's what's going to happen anyway, right? And I think that's just so real. And the magic is that I think I really needed to go to that super sad place and be 11 again where I really felt that way and where that was true in some ways because teenagers are horrible to each other. I mean, we were barely teenagers, but anyway, you know what I mean, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so um, and, I, and I think so many of us carry these wounds of abandonment and really like really having moments of feeling that that is true. And I'm so glad in some other ways and as difficult as that evening was and how much I cried and like wrote in my journal exactly what I just said and really meant it. I feel also really happy that I got to experience myself to go to that place and come back again because I know I can and because I know these thoughts feel so real at the time, but they are only as true as I allow them to be. And there's actually so much other stuff that's bigger and truer and much more life affirming and open and connected than that thought is. But I don't want to deny that I also sometimes feel like that, you know? So high yeah. five from my inner child to your inner child. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you for sharing that and for being so vulnerable. I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to fall apart after this podcast is over. I'm like really holding back my crying right now. Um, but that's because I feel that too. Like what you said is mm -hmm. resonant because I have felt that before as well. And I will probably feel it again. Um, mm -hmm. And just how real that is. And it just makes me feel so tender for us and for all of us mm -hmm. who like, we really just want to be loved and we just want to be okay. And we want to be in mm -hmm. connection and we want to belong. And yes, and how much it hurts when we feel like we don't have access to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and also seeing the bigger pictures of trauma and how deep it can run. Like when I really sit with the truth of how I have been hurtful and have maybe sometimes abandoned people and how people have abandoned me, that's not because anyone is evil or anyone doesn't want to love us or things were not worth loving. I think there's just big patterns of trauma at play that have been passed on and that really require so much tenderness and and just love and healing and I want to hold that too I feel like that's something that's become clearer in the past year for me that often heartbreak is coming from a place of a real lack of resources you know stuff like housing for example like what if we all could live in this magical co-op like, you know, <laughs> where all our friends live in the same street and everyone loves each other because we feel completely secure because we know that our basic needs are met, that we're seen as people, that we can have different 
abilities and backgrounds and experiences and still be seen and loved like what would that be to relate to that from that place and we just don't know that yet yeah I hope Mm. one day we do get to know that I'm like this is my dream for my (laughs) life for the world like (laughs) yeah I mean I think about a lot how I mean even outside of pandemic like how isolating our modern lives can be and like how disconnected we are from each other so often and like living in our in our own rooms and our own houses alone and like that's not it's not that it's bad to be alone like I think that's so special and sacred too but I know myself as someone who deeply craves and desires connection with people um and how sad it is that it doesn't feel like capitalism really (laughs) and our Mm. modern lives are like set up to facilitate that like that beautiful vision you just shared (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) like what the fuck do I even ask you right now I'm just like (laughs) I I think something I do want to ask you as we're talking about like bringing this like love and tenderness for ourselves is something from your book that I loved reading so much and if you wanted to share this story here I would love it (laughs) um about like that self-marriage ritual that you had with yourself um yeah reading that I just it was just so beautiful so yeah (laughs) oh yeah I'm glad that's uh funny that you picked that up that feels like it's tying up beautifully to what we just talked about so I was in my very early 30s and I had been single for a while and I felt that from my wider circle, not my inner circle, but just kind of more around me, people were becoming a little bit more judgmental. There was more pressure to be like, well, are you getting married? What does it even mean to be queer? Like, how are you going to have kids? What's, what, what are you doing with your life, basically? <laughs> and I really didn't mind not being married. You know, that has never been something that was like big on my radar. Um, but I felt that I hadn't really come to a sense of groundedness when it came to self-acceptance or self-love. I was still seeing how I was compromising myself on romantic relationships and how shallow really like self-love as a hashtag was for me. And um, yeah, I really wanted to look at that. And then I also obviously was massively into ritual and I thought, why don't I just get married to myself? And I made that decision in April and then in May and the 10th of May was the midway point between my birthdays and it was also the full moon in Scorpio Mm. and so I traveled to Glastonbury in the UK and had a really lovely ceremony by myself on this little hill um, in a circle of robe and I set these vows to myself and they really actually were quite small they were just stuff like I promise to not lie to myself I promise to not abandon myself and I um promise to check in with myself every year on this day to see where I'm at with my relationship to myself and also this marriage comes first it felt really good to do that at a point where I was single and you know there was no one on the horizon I was just kind of being with myself and it feels nice now as I navigate other things in my life to be like that was my first marriage you know that was the first commitment ceremony I really did and that's the foundation like no one can take that away from me and um, I still celebrate every year it feels like a really special day and 
I think it doesn't have to be anything big, like it doesn't have to look any particular way, but just to really invite romance into our life feels really special. It feels related to enchantment in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think we are just being sold this really capitalist, very watered down, heteronormative version of romance, but actually romance is so life-giving. It's so beautiful to light candles, to make your favorite meal, to do these things that maybe feel a bit like a cliche, but actually also like, what else is there? I don't know. I don't want to not light candles just because it's a cliche or not have a bath (laughs) or I just, I just want as much romance in my life as I can. And I don't want that to always be dependent on other people because again, it comes back to this consistency, like interrelatedness is so important and beautiful, but it's also fluid and much less stable. So what can I give myself? Oh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm thinking about um, how this is a practice that I want to be returning to more, but a few months ago, I was feeling really good about Um, doing regular dates with myself which Mm -hmm. is basically just that like lighting some candles smoking Mm -hmm. a joint having sex with myself like but like in a really romantic and like fun way an intentional way like that's just how it feels like Mm -hmm. an intentional way like eating something I really like um and then like I think I I need to schedule another date what was that I call them luxury wings (laughs) 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 like the opposite of like a quick stress relief. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to seduce myself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or sometimes anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Thank you so much, Yaro, for being here. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how we're at time already. I feel like you really feel like someone that I can talk to for <laughs> forever. And I wish Same. that I could see you in person. <laughs> yeah, me too. That would be so cool. Yeah, it would be really cool. <laughs> I want to ask you, though, um, I know you answered this before, but I like the fluidity of this question and how I assume it's probably a different answer. It's a different answer for me every time I think about it, too. <laughs> so I would love if you would share again, what does living open mean to you right now? I love this question and I also before we go really want to say how much I love your podcast and how much beauty and consistency it's bringing into my life and I'm saying consistency because I have so much respect for it being weekly having to podcast myself and just every time I get this little notification I'm like you did it again (laughs) (laughs) thank you I appreciate that (laughs) that is amazing and then I'm like oh what when did I last publish an episode (laughs) And, and I'm like roughly on a schedule of every two weeks but sometimes it's every week and then does it anyway whatever you're you're so great at just doing the thing every Monday and I have so much love and respect for that and I love your podcast and I love hearing everyone answering that question which was a very long-winded way to say to me at the moment living open means being with both grief and pleasure and staying as open and present as I possibly can to this time and really allowing it to change me I think I really don't want to let this year pass by in a hurry and look back in a few years and be like, I don't know, I was asleep. I was just trying to get through. And in a way, of course, that's fair enough. We're all just getting through and trying our best. But I want to say I stayed open. I let it change me. 
I was touched by grief. I, I loved as best as I can. Yeah. Oh my God, that. <laughs> getting me going again (laughs) (laughs) I also have to say that I cried when I saw my name in the thank you page of your book (laughs) and it just felt like um it just felt like this beautiful moment of honoring like I was just thinking like how much I've learned from you and how much you have taught me as well and like how beautiful it is and we can be in these kinds of relationships where we get to learn from each other and no hierarchy just like we all have something to give and we can be in exchange with each other with each other yeah in that way and that felt really healing to kind of so well. healing yeah, yeah I'm glad yeah I was like really wanted your name in there obviously and I, I totally agree I feel like this non-competitiveness in this little bubble we're in is really healing and I want to share one last thing I don't want to overstretch your time either yeah, but no no please <laughs> it reminds me of a quote that's been with me really deep in my head for years and years and it's um a commencement speech by Robert Coolidge and I don't know anything else about him I don't remember the context of this speech but there was this one line that was like you are here to create a body of work but you're also creating a body of affection and I was like fuck yes and I think about my work in this way of like it is a body of work but so much more it's actually a body of affection Mm -hmm. and it has like a form and a shape that's touchable and it's humans and human relationships and the beauty and love and creativity between us so that is just incredible (laughs) Robert Richard I'm like thank you (laughs) whoever you are Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Can you please let everyone know how they can get a copy of your beautiful book or they can find you online? Yeah, sure. So the book is called Rituals, Simple and Radical Practices for Enchantment in Times of Crisis. And it's pretty widely available. You can order it in your local bookshop. You can get it in all the big shops that don't necessarily need your support. And on my website at yaromagdalena.com slash book you will find a long list of ways to audit online while also supporting your local bookshop so if you can do that that would be great um yeah that's where you can find me yaromagdalena.com i also have a patreon and i have web design and business mentoring at yarodigital.com yes and your patreon is beautiful you have so many wonderful (laughs) programs and you're running another a new program in the fall, right? Do you want to yeah. share a little bit about that? Oh, thank you. If you invite me, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so it's called Dream and it's a six-week writing program because writing practice for me this year has been so nourishing. And so I'm offering an email every week with some journaling prompts, a little pep talk and med- meditations, just whatever feels right for me to share that week. And then we'll meet for 45 minutes every Saturday going to be UK evening so it should be like US morning midday and we'll just sit together for 45 minutes and write and the idea for me is to just make a start processing some of what happened this year and get to a shared writing practice I think journaling can be so healing and I know it's really hard to begin new habits even if they feel good on your own so I want to have this group momentum where we all kind of go into winter feeling like the little squirrels that we are we have like (laughs) gathered some more tools and getting a little bit more ready basically 
Yeah. Yes. I'm excited. I'm going to be participating. So great. <laughs> great. I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Yarrow. I'm like, thank you for I need you for a third and fourth and fifth interview too. Oh, okay. <laughs> thank you for being here. I hope that this episode touched something in you, that it opened up something for you. And I hope that you will also get a copy of Yarrow's beautiful book, Rituals. It's linked in the description if you'd like to do so. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It is really supportive and it's a beautiful way to be in exchange with the show outside of money. Um, it is really helpful and I appreciate all the ratings and the reviews so much. So sending you lots of love. I hope your entry into Libra season has been soft and nourishing and just what you need. I'll be back on Monday with another interview. So stay tuned and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon. Until then, 